It's the second half of episode 9 of Apex Live. I'm Brad, that's Steve. Hello. Joining us now live via Skype from his home in Zanesville, Ohio. It's the one and only professional professional heavyweight amateur porn star, as it says on his Boxing Unfiltered profile. It's Justin Navaria. Justin, welcome to Apex Live. What's going on? I'm on Skype, but I got my clothes on. It's kind of weird. Well, that's okay. This is an audio podcast, so we don't need too much information. Yeah. No, it's all fine. Uh, T-Bear, you've been out of action in terms of being in the ring for a little over a year now, but that's certainly not been your own decision. <laughs> um, we'll talk a little bit about your last misadventure for getting in there and fighting, which took place last week, actually here in West Virginia in one of the more remote areas of our state down near the Kentucky border. <laughs> but uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to talk boxing because you are not just a fighter. You're a boxing historian. You're a boxing aficionado. We talk about every fight, when it happens, usually as it happens. And there's been a lot going on so far in the month of December. Uh, the first thing that happened was the last fight for a Puerto Rican legend and certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer, and that's Miguel Cotto. Oh, yeah who went out after a decision lost to Saddam Ali in a fight that a lot of people think either Kodo won, could have been a draw. Um, just first of all, your thoughts on that fight with Ali? Um, I think it was a bad decision to go out with Saddam Ali to begin with. I mean, because he's young, he's hungry, and he's pretty damn good. And I think Miguel lost the fight. I just think a lot of people hung up on the nostalgia of Miguel Cotto, and it was in the house Cotto built. Mm-hmm. That's basically his home. Only one loss at MSG, and it was to Austin Trout, who I called that as well. I don't want to brag or nothing. That was but, a that was a horrible fight for him too. That was a terrible decision to fight Austin Trout, especially at that point in oh, his career. Yeah, no doubt. That was just awful. Trout was bigger, left-handed, awkward as heck, and then Trout did absolutely nothing with his career after that. That was sad. He was never the same. Was it Canelo that knocked him out? Or, or that beat him up really bad and hit him with that big that big shot that yeah. wilted him and twisted yeah. him up and it looked like he broke his leg. Yeah, he he did the Zab Judah shuffle. Yeah, he was on Queer Street for a little bit. <laughs> I keep forgetting that that's called the Zab Judah shuffle. Yeah, the Judah shuffle. But that I thought that was a very interesting fight just in how it played out because Cotto looked very good early, even though he got rocked a couple of times. And that's really the the point that I took from the fight that win or lose, Cotto, who normally unless he was fighting. Margarito with loaded wraps, or if he was fighting Manny Pacquiao at the top of his form, was almost indestructible. And he was getting hit by a guy who was not really a big power puncher, and he was getting rocked, he was having trouble, and it just it just did not work well for him at all. And that was that was troubling to see. So I think no matter what, win, lose, draw for him. I know he had the torn bicep that really affected him. I think he got out at the right time, and I think that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely see his age in there. I mean, he's not a real old guy, but boxing age is completely different yes. from your physical age as well. Yeah, he's you could he's just, boxing you could old. See, you could see, yeah, he just the punishment he used to be able to take, he couldn't take anymore. So I, I agree with 100%. It was time for him to get out. I would have liked to see him got on a win with a little bit softer opposition, but, I mean, it is what it is. He went out like a champ, so you can't. Can't get mad at him about that. Well, looking back now, I think a lot of people, and again, maybe this was nostalgia. Maybe it was people who were hoping to get get the rubber match in and see one last great vintage performance. A lot of people wanted to see that third fight with Margarito. And looking at how vulnerable he was, even Margarito is at his worst, is a warrior. He's going to come forward and he's going to hit hard. So looking at it now, Margarito probably could have won that fight if Miguel was as damaged as he appeared in that fight. So I'm kind of glad that didn't happen now. Yeah, but I mean, Margarito also is no, no spring chicken either. No, he's not. I, he's I got the glass eye to too. He does yeah, still have the I glass. Don't, eye. I don't think he'd be able to deliver it like he used to. Maybe not, but if he's got those loaded hand wraps and the commission's not on top of their game, there's no telling what they might be able to pull off. Let's be, let's be fair about that. Yeah, but, yeah, but if it's Cotto across the ring, you know he's going to have 16 people watch him wrap his hands. Well, you would sure hope so. Um, Teddy Bear, what's your yeah. favorite Miguel Cotto memory? 
My favorite Miguel Cotto memory. Yeah, what, what's the fight um, that if you know you're putting together the boxing time capsule, Steve? Answer that you can answer this one next. What is what's the the fight for Miguel Cotto that you're going to put into the the boxing time capsule for him? It's the fight you would have playing on his display at the Hall of Fame that says this encapsulates who Cotto was, what he did. Maybe not even his best performance, but the one that you would put together and say this exemplifies who Miguel is. Probably the Judah fight. Hmm, that's an that's a good pick. That's a very good pick. Because, Why? I mean, that just it proved to me it proved who he was. He stopped him late. I think it was like ten or eleven. Right. And Judah Judah was he wasn't gone yet. He wasn't like the old Zab Judah. Of course, he wasn't like super prime Judah either. He had a few losses, but he was still Judah. He right. was Zab super Judah. Super quick little crafty southpaw, and Miguel Cotto just put a hurt on him. He did. It, so, it, you're right. right. He wasn't that that Zab Judah that was before the Costa Zoo debacle, and and he was probably at the same level that he was when he took the first four rounds off of Floyd Mayweather, and then the wheels flew off. And to see Cotto do what he did, I thought fit very well. Steve, your pick. Garcia. Yep. Who? Um for the championship when he fought Garcia. Did Cotto fight Garcia? Yeah. What Garcia? Yeah, which Garcia did he fight? Sergio. Oh, Martinez. Oh, my, my, my bad. Martinez. Sergio Martinez. Martinez. Sergio he, Garcia is a golfer. My bad. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I like boxing, but sometimes I'm a little uh, CTE ridden. Oh, I know. That's fine. So I like, what I liked about that was where he used uh, his left-handed style against him. Mm-hmm. He stepped in opposite foot stepped inside so. through the inside left hook caught mm-hmm. him destroyed him that was that was one of those performances that even though you knew Sergio may have an injured knee may have mm-hmm. this or that whatever yeah you knew that this was going to be the fight that ended Sergio's career yeah. because it was so one and Miguel looked vintage Miguel that night I just, think he was he was so smart in that fight oh 100 yeah I just liked it. I loved his intelligence in that so. the, the one that I think I would put in the time capsule for Cotto looking back as a retrospective, and it's not just because of his performance, but it's because of what that fight meant is the rematch with Margarito. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you go into that fight knowing full well, not only is this redemption for him because of what happened in the first fight, this is going out and proving that the accusations were correct. Mm-hmm. This was Miguel having to save his own career from something that, let's face it, was not his fault. Talking about the wraps, the uh, yeah, absolutely concrete gloves, and I think it proved absolutely. Even though even though the loaded hand wraps were discovered before Margarita went out and got completely destroyed by Shane Mosley, yeah, there's been enough evidence that has been analyzed after the fact that pretty well proves that those those wraps were loaded before his fight with Cotto and the plaster of Paris, the pink. Uh, the pink area showing outside of the hand wraps after that f- fight with Cotto and some high res photos. It's it's pretty obvious what happened. It's been, not to mention what happened in the fight as the as the punishment piled up. And let's face it, that fight probably took a year off of Cotto's career. Yeah. In one fight because of what happened. So going into that fight, it was such a big deal. All the attention was was on on Miguel that night. Not even so much Margarito, because everybody knew what they were getting with Antonio. It was going to be, is Miguel going to be the same mentally? Is he going to be able to go in and perform after what happened the first time? Is he going to fight overly aggressive because of that? Is he going to fight smart? Is he going to fight scared? Nobody really knew what to expect going into that fight. And for him to go in there and perform as well as he did, the crowd behind him, I will never forget that intro with Seven Nation Army blaring, and he came walking to the ring, and he looked as focused as I have ever seen him looking for a fight. And even when he got to fight in Puerto Rico in front of his own people, um, and he had family there, and, and this was before his dad passed away, and, and all of those performances, that fight is the one for me that I think just sums up Miguel Cotto. He did not have to take that fight again. There are plenty of fighters who could have said, look, he loaded his wraps last time. For all I know, they won't catch him next time. I'm not fighting him again. He's a cheater. He doesn't deserve another fight with me, especially mm-hmm. after he got the brakes beat off of him by Mosley and Pacquiao. And he took the fight, and then he took the fight to Margarito. He put on a show, he put on a clinic, and he beat him up, up one side and down the other and effectively removed Margarito from ever being anything worthwhile in the sport yeah. as far as being marketable ever again. And I thought that was really the one that 
that did well for me, and I, I think that's the one that I'd put in the time capsule for him. So we're going to m- miss Miguel Cotto. I know we all are because win or lose, he was always a pleasure to watch, and there's a reason why he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Where does he rank for you? I mean, yeah. where in terms of of your life around the sport, where does he rank for you? Is he a favorite for you? Is he someone? Um, is he someone that you always made a point to go out of your way to watch, not even just because it was a big fight, but because he was fighting? Or is he someone that you could take or leave? Because I've, I've heard a lot of div- dissenting opinions on this. There are a lot of people that we know, because of the Box of Gun filtered message board, that would rather watch his wife at ringside than watch him fight. That's arguable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's true. But no, I've, I've always loved Miguel Cotto, just because he's a warrior, and you got to respect guys like that. And to touch on something you said earlier, he didn't have to take the Margarita fight, but the man he is, he did have to take that fight. After it came out in the Mosley fight that they thought Margarita was packing his wraps for that fight, and then now he could have packed him for the Cotto fight. In your mind, when you're a fighter like Miguel Cotto, you have to have that rematch. You have to know, was he the better man or did he cheat me? Right. And just Miguel Cotto, yeah, like like I said, he's a warrior, and you gotta love warriors. I always made it a point to watch Cotto fights. And um, another thing, like you could contemplate that Alfonso Gomez right might have ruined him before the Margarito fight, but yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's that's that's, a, po- that, that that's was a possible. Joke. That was a joke. I was waiting for a laugh, but <laughs> I didn't expect to hear an Alfonso Gomez mention here tonight i think I, it just you caught me off guard Wasn't i think that's on, like problem. one of the shows or something like <laughs> well, that well, who, well alfonso Go- was who he fought that's right, right. margarito that's right alfonso so, gomez was on was he on the contender he was on the contender yeah that's, yeah that was, was the contender oh my god and he also fought sal alvarez too he fought canelo is Lo- is he the one no that was josecito lopez that embarrassed victor ortiz yeah, and then Take jumped care. another weight class. He jumped a weight class to fight Ortiz, broke his jaw, then jumped another weight class and said, no, F you, I'll take the fight you were going to take, and then just got obliterated by Alvarez. I mean, Alfonso got obliterated by him too, don't get me wrong, but Josecito Lopez, it was awful. He had, no, he had no business taking the fight, but I admire him so much for jumping up that far to take it just because it was a challenge, and it was a challenge that nobody else wanted to take on. And that is, I think a pretty interesting segue going into our next topic, which is the fight that took place last week, the highly anticipated and utterly disappointing to most people, not me. And I know not you, uh, Vasily Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeaux fight that (laughs) was on ESPN. And I'm glad because that had no business on pay-per-view. That's a fight that I think we talked about as a dream matchup for years. We talked about it at apex a lot for a year before it even happened. Mm -hmm. And then, it looks like it's finally going to happen. The anticipation sets in, and then you realize this isn't going to be a fight. Lomachenko's going to kill him. I mean, I would have bet my house on that fight. And sure enough, the yeah. fight gets here. You and I talked about this fight. Steve and I talked about this fight coming up. And we all, as a consensus, we all picked Lomachenko to win that fight. I don't think anybody, certainly not any of us, expected him to make Lomachenko Rigando like quit. Yeah. I mean, I figured he'd beat him one-sided. I never dreamed he would make one of the top five Cuban fighters in the history of the sport in that country and that that storied amateur program quit after six rounds. And you can talk about the injured hand, whatever. Teddy Bear, you fought with a broken hand against Sean Conway. We're not. We'll get into the Sean Conway thing in a minute. But I mean, come on, he quit after six rounds, and those those were six rounds that were not close at no, all. Not at all. Um, what did you expect going into the fight? How did it play out according to what you expected? Um, I expected exactly what was going to happen, except I did not expect him to quit. I expected him to stop him. I think it was me and you that were talking, and I predicted predicted Lomachenko to stop him by five. It may have been me and Eric, but I thought it was me and you. Uh, maybe. Um, may, it may have been you and Eric, but we, we talked more about the technical aspects of the fight. Yeah, but I... I expected, I just thought Lomachenko was too big. When you have two fighters that are so similar, like their skill sets were both so superior to everybody in their division, and then you put them together, of course that extra eight pounds is going to mean the difference in the world. 
because everyone's like, oh, no, he's too good. It's That weight ain't going to mean nothing. But when you got two guys that are that good and then a guy's coming from two weight classes below, of course, that that's going to make a lot of difference. But I expected basically how it went down. Lomachenko is just a freak, man. I think he has like 10-second foresight into the future or something because – he misses punches that shouldn't be missing him. It's, it's the just, it's the matrix. It's ridiculous. He's Neo in the Matrix. Yeah, it makes no sense how he can dodge yeah. those those moves. Yeah, he, he takes the red pill for sure. <laughs> it didn't matter how much he weighed. He could have been ten pounds on a ring it out and beat him like that. It wouldn't matter. I don't think. It, I think <laughs> it's easy to look at size, especially in the lower weight classes, and and really focus on how much of a difference it'll make because. Eight pounds at heavyweight's not going to be a big deal. Eight pounds in the lower weight classes is such a bigger percentage of total body mass, and the physics are changed so much. I think the biggest difference in the fight that should have hindered his movements more than you know what I mean. Very true. You know, I think the biggest difference in the fight for me was was pretty simple, and that is how many times have you heard it? It's one of the oldest adages in the sport. Styles make fights. Yeah, for sure. And Lomachenko is going to be he he uses angles. Rigando uses angles. Rigano's defense is excellent, so is Lomachenko's. The difference has always been offensive output. There's a reason why people want Lomachenko on TV and they don't want Rigando on TV. It's because Rigando yeah. will not get on the gas. He has the tools to do it. He refuses to do it. He's going to sit back and fight his fight and not worry about it. And I, we talked about this a year ago when this fight was just a, uh, just a twinkle in everyone's eye and said the best outcome that this could have for Rigando is he loses a decision because he's just going to get outworked mm-hmm. for 12 rounds. And we didn't really know the yeah. impact that Lomachenko's offense would have. This was the biggest point in the fight for me. I remember it was in the sixth round, and the fight was was stopped at the end of six. But it was the announced team did not notice this. I've not heard any writers mention it or anything. It was probably a minute into the fight, or a minute into the round, and Lomachenko clips him with a with a short left hand. And Rigando's trying to trying to defend in, in space, but but do do so tightly, and he gets clipped with a left hand, and suddenly that rhythmic footwork and that that slide around that he was doing, he wasn't doing it anymore. He was standing stationary, and you could see in his eyes he was buzzed. He wasn't really really hurt. He wasn't wobbly, but he was buzzed. And Rigando has never felt that as a pro, and he probably didn't feel it much as an amateur. It just did not happen. Yeah. And I remember seeing that from him, and I thought. Why aren't the announcers figuring this out? And then I realized, well, Teddy Atlas is setting at home, and we're having to listen to idiots like Stephen A. Smith and the, and Tim Bradley, yeah. who God bless him, is just not a very electric commentator. They and suck. I'm not sure who that writer is that they had Stephen as the a. third Smith man. Sucks. Stephen A. Smith is he's at least idiot. he's at least he's got a little bit of energy to him. The writer that That's they're it. having on that team. As hype man is all he is. All the time. he carries the boombox in the honorage. That's all he does. But. The the writer they had yeah, was but he doesn't dreadful. even play the right song. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> no, no, he does not. I bet you're right. He doesn't. He doesn't play the right song. He probably ends up playing circus music because everything he does he ca- turns he into Ali Fanuka a nobody. He was a world champ, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks anyone that he's not heard of is a nobody. He just he needs to stick yeah. to what he does, which is talk talking about the NBA and doing so on a show that nobody watches in the middle of the day on ESPN2. Nobody cares. He has no business on that broadcast. Was and it I, him and, I, and like Shannon Sharp or something like that now? Or uh, something it like was, that, or? Skip Bayless. It was. used to be him and Skip Bayless, and now Skip Bayless went to FS1, and he's got the show with Shannon Sharp. Oh, okay. That's why I figured but one But Stephen A. Smith is still around, and I don't know who he's doing the show with, but I can guarantee you it's unbearable, unwatchable, and totally worthless, just like he TV. is. <laughs> But I, I, I couldn't figure it out. Why are you not? You're sitting five feet away. How can you not see that he was buzzed and he was hurt? And as I was putting that into my notes on my scorecard, because I do all my scorecards in Excel, I look up and Rigando's looking at his hand and, and they're stopping the fight. And anyone with any sense, I know people are going to complain on, to, on Facebook and on social media and say, well, you're not in there, so you don't know. You can't you can't make fun of somebody for quitting. We're not making fun of you. We're we're around boxing and we know. If you're fighting at that level on that stage for these reasons and you look for that way out, you're doing so cuz you're getting whitewashed. You've already been penalized for excessive holding. It's character flaws all it is. You've already really. gotten smacked around for 6 rounds. You're looking for a way out, and that's exactly what he did. And I found that to be completely yeah. disappointing. Completely disappointing. Um this this is one, Steve. I'm look. I'm looking forward to your input, Justin. You too, Steve. I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, 
the rumored fight right now, there are two fights being rumored within a couple of weight classes of each other. And one of them is Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor, <laughs> which uh, of which I will not even I will not even bring this podcast down to that level by talking about this when it's only at rumor stage. I don't really want to talk about it even if it gets signed, but I won't even bring that up because that's insulting. The other one that's being talked about is the one that really intrigues me, and that is a Manny Pacquiao Vasily Lomachenko fight at 135 pounds. Freddie Roach says that Manny can make 135 comfortably. I believe him because Pacquiao has to pack so many calories into his diet on a daily basis during fight camp just to stay at 147 because yeah. he's naturally so much smaller. That's a fight that's intriguing. Pacquiao, you know, he's a, he's a little older. He's 35, 36 now, but he's still Manny Pacquiao. He's still fighting well. I thought he got screwed against Jeff Horn. What do you think about a Pacquiao-Lomachenko fight? Lateral movement is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good linear, you know, coming forward, being an aggressive fighter. He has good little quick turns, but overall, I don't think he has the 360-degree fighting style for somebody that's tight, mid-range and in close like mm-hmm. uh, Lomachenko is. So age also plays a factor in that, I'd say. Justin, so. your thoughts? Stupid, stupid <laughs> fight. That's like the dumbest, dumbest fight I've ever heard in my life. I am sorry. Man, I love Manny Pacquiao. I've been a Pacquiao fan for a long time, ever since he took, um, man, what was the dude's name? When he um, when he won the 118 belt on um, Showtime on like a week notice. Oh, I oh, that was on an name, that was on an HBO pay per view, I think. When he he just jumped out oh, of nowhere, it? and and that was back when he still had no right hook. All he had was that big straight left hand. And yeah, and like all he had, yeah, super fast one two is all he had, and yep. he <laughs> used the shit out of it. Yes, he did. But um, but no, all all I can think with that fight is if an old ass Juan Manuel Marquez was able to walk Manny into traps and set Manny up the way he did with his boxing ability, a Vasil Lomachenko who is basically a better version of an old Juan Manuel Marquez with a lot more tools is just going to make Manny look stupid. That's a bad fight for an old Manny. Manny's a legend. He needs to take an easy payday and get out of there. So you think he needs to take and, an easy payday like McGregor? Yeah, like that's I've been in so many arguments over just because of the rumors of that fight. I won't right. speak too much on it because you don't want to bring the podcast down. And I get that. It's, <laughs> it's, we'll it's talk about it if it if it does, if it does happen. If it happens, we'll talk about it. But, yeah, he needs to – I've been in arguments because everybody's like, oh, no, he needs to retire before he takes a McGregor fight. Why? Oh he has gosh. bled for you. He has sweat for you. Let the man make $100 million to fight a chump and go retire with his wife and be a politician or do whatever the hell he wants to do down in the Philippines. Let him do that. What, like, what right do you have to say that he – needs to retire before making $100 million. No. he Let him take that easy payday. He's bled for us. He's sweat for us. He shed tears for us. He's been knocked out cold for us. Had 100 memes made. <laughs> My favorite, the Hulk Hogan leg drop on him after the one that, one, one, that one one Manuel Marcus fight. That one's hilarious. It's just, I mean, the man has been ridiculed, and he's been made a hero all in the course of his career. I mean, just let him ride into the sunset with an easy fight. Don't don't feed him to the wolves like Lomachenko. Lomachenko has plenty of other young hot prospects to make his name off of. Don't feed don't feed the legend to him. That's just that's dumb. I agree. So I see him taking this McGregor fight, hopefully trying to be mean, destroying him, and setting up another fight with him and Floyd just for another money fight. Yep. We were talking we were talking about that the other night, and that that's really the point that I've come down to on this is Big monies. He, he and Mayweather and McGregor, they have, I think they've all realized now. They can make money off We can other. stay in one big circle and fight each other and make nine figures like it's nothing. And the, re, the reasoning that I – and I, I talked to Steve about this a couple of days ago. And my reasoning on this is actually fairly simple. McGregor has already been proven that he's, that he's vulnerable, but he can at least hang in and he can talk a good game. Mm-hmm. Pacquiao is the only recognizable name – that McGregor can fight and make a similar paycheck as what he did with Mayweather the first time. Certainly, the work promotionally has already been done for him to fight Pauly Malignaggi. But nobody's going to pay that much money. But nobody's going to pay that much money to to watch McGregor fight Malignaggi. Let's face it, Paul has won multiple world titles. McGregor would be the A-side on that fight. 
I think and he's zero and one as a pro. I that, think he'd win. <laughs> that's ridiculous. And right now, McGregor might beat him if we're going to be totally honest about it. But with that said, I think the I think the primary purpose of this is to go in, set up that fight. Pacquiao knocks him out. Probably. Pacquiao knocks and doesn't just knock him out. He beats him faster mm-hmm. than Mayweather did. First round not, and clear. does so yeah. does so more emphatically after doing so. Well, wow, the, you couldn't do this to him. The yeah. conversation already starts, and it's, wow, Pacquiao knocked him out faster than Floyd did. Floyd's vulnerable. Maybe Pacquiao's shoulder really was hurt because a lot of people doubted that. I don't, but a lot of people doubted that the first time around. So now the work has already been done to promote a second fight between the two. Mayweather, reports are already leaking out. Mayweather's already back in the gym. He's already training hard in Vegas again. So obviously something is going to be coming up. We know he's not going to fight the winner of Canelo and Golovkin. There's no way he'll do that. He wants safe safe fights for safe money. And the only way to do that is to fight another fight with Pacquiao because if Pacquiao wins, it sets up the rubber match. They'll fight a third time because you, now you've got to settle the score. There's not going to be a Mayweather-McGregor too unless McGregor does something to vindicate himself for stepping into the ring, and that would be beating Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. So if that would happen, that fight happens. And you ha- you have to deal with Mayweather McGregor too, and that won't be mentioned at all on this podcast if that happens. So you, <laughs> you you put all of those things together, and you realize what the game is. If you want to know the story of anything, and this is true of politics, it's true with anybody in their personal mm-hmm. life, it's true of of boxing, sport, any sport whatsoever. Follow the money. If you follow the money, you'll start to to put a lot of pieces together, and it's just. It's just infuriating. I think the biggest key for me in in a Lomachenko-Pacquiao fight is the fact that everything Pacquiao was at his prime that made him special, Lomachenko is, and he's better at it. He's... And I think Lomachenko stops him in the same way that... I think Lomachenko stops Pacquiao the same way Marquez did, and I think it looks a lot like the shot that Lomachenko knocked out Roman Martinez with. That counter shot, quick little turn off the ropes, and just obliterate him. I think that could absolutely happen. It's that kind of a fight. Uh, Teddy Bear, you were about to step in the ring last weekend in Williamson, and some shenanigans took place. Why don't you fill us in on what happened from the time you took the fight on short notice, who you were supposed to fight, and then what happened when you got there. Tell us the story. Um, I'll set the scene for you. I'm super, super sexy trim, 305 pounds. Haven't done anything since December. And of 2016, I was going to uh, say Dece- I was going to say December of which year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, t- 2016. Um, technically, I didn't do anything like three months before that fight. So if you want to get real technical, it was way back into 2016. But um, no, anyway, I was happily retired, kind of, a little bit restless. But I get a call on Wednesday night. Said, "Hey, do you want to fight Luke Loins? He's a five and one." I wouldn't call him young because he's old, but prospect from down your guys' way. Now he's what? And, he, um, he's from Ashland, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Lions. Oh, he's, he's he's what? Is he six and one or six one and one? He's like six. Five, I think he's five and one. Is he five and one? Okay. I think he's five and one with four knockouts. I think or three knockouts. Gotcha. Big bodybuilding looking looking dude. Just the type I like. But um. I always seem to fight the dudes that look like Hercules. He kind of looks like Hercules. <laughs> but, yeah, but anyway, they called me on Wednesday night and said, hey, do you want to fight Luke Loins? And have you been training? I ignored the training question. I said, yeah, I'll fight Luke Loins. Right. And um, they Loins. said, all right. I said, but you got to pay for my blood work. And so they're like, all right, fine. Yeah, we'll pay for your blood work. So I skip sleep. I work midnight shift. I skip sleep Thursday to go get my blood work for these guys. I get it. And then they want, then it's Friday morning and I don't work on Fridays and me and my wife are out having lunch and I get a phone call. Hey, are you coming down for weigh-ins? Which was in like two hours. It's like a four hour drive for me. And I said, no, that's at least four hours for you. That That's four and a half easy from Zanesville. Cause you've got to come down to Charleston and then yeah. leave your way into the middle of nowhere. The butthole. Of, yeah. You know. it, 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 yeah. That's exa- I was about to say it wasn't a butt crack or something. It was crazy. Freaking hazard. Like, you could see the, enti- <laughs> see the entire town from one nineteen. It was, that's true. It was bad. I, we were we went past Logan. I was like, "Holy shit, this is the deepest I've ever been into West Virginia before." You didn't even know and, there was um, anything past Logan. 
I don't think. No, that's, a, that's as far I, as you've I ever the been. The world ended at Logan. That's true. Flat Earth. What, Williamson Hasht- yeah, is right. Hashtag Flat Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Williamson is right at the edge. It's right on the border of Kentucky. You can throw a rock from the venue for the fight and bounce it into Kentucky with no problem. So that's oh, I know. That we had to find idea. an ATM, and we had to go to Kentucky to get an ATM. Oh my gosh! And you are talking about the yeah. machine, not the act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I asked the lady working working the desk. I was like, "Do you know where there's an ATM?" And she repeated it back to me like it was a question. ATM. I'm a money um, <laughs> I was. I was like, "Is there a gas station? Don't gas stations usually have them? I don't know down here." And Eric was with me, and he was losing it. <laughs> I, I, I imagine he yeah, was so. one of them damn money pewters you're talking about, huh? <laughs> money pewter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She looked at me like puzzled, like ATM. Hmm. So I, I just I looked at Eric. I was like, "Just Google it, man," because I didn't have any service. I didn't have any service like twenty minutes before we got there. No, there is no cell phone service in Williamson. I remember that years ago. I, I was down there at the end of well, actually, about this time of year in twenty twelve, and there was no cell service, and that's been five years ago, and apparently nothing's changed. So you go, you finally get there. Luke Lyons is your opponent, and. Everything, as far as you know, was set to go. You had a contract signed. They had the contract signed. The fight had been approved by the commission. You walk in the door. What happens? Yeah, Friday night, before I even drove down, I I asked him, I was like, we're good to go. He said, yes, we're good to go. So we get down here after driving forever, and um, I walk in, and the commissioner is just, like, throwing a tantrum. He's like, well, I got three guys on suspension. I don't even know if they're going to be able to fight. And sorry, I just want to get angry. I, I you do, sound just like J.P. Stevens. I'm sorry. So is this the but, commissioner or is this the deputy commissioner who is who is in charge of the event for the evening? The deputy commissioner. I just uh-huh. I say commissioner out yeah. of habit. The deputy commissioner. Um, uh-huh. Steve just said his name. Um, J.P. Dickhead Stevens. Yeah. yeah. Flat top porn stash. That's what I was calling him all night. Well, he does own a uh, own a porn shop, so yeah, that's not too far from the truth. That's you really. That's, that's uh, he he used to be yeah he used to be owner of a of a facility that may sell certain. He's an asshole with teeth, pretty much. He sucks. <laughs> he sucks. Well, that might be the that might be the episode title tonight. Yeah, and believe it or not. He asked where we were from. We said his angel. He said, oh, I used to be a cop there. I I can see it after spending an hour with the idiot. <laughs> but um, I wonder if Tim anyway, does. Tim know him? I don't know. I haven't talked to Tim for a while. I think I could, we may I need to see. We need to see if Tim knows him because you know Tim. Tim is the embodiment of what a cop should be, and this this a hole is not. But in any event, you get there. He's ranting and raving. Yeah, he, he's ranting and raving. Oh, we got three guys on suspension. I don't even know how many of these fights are going to happen. And da 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 da. And I, I immediately asked Luke because I knew he lost his last fight. I said, "Hey man, you're not on suspension, are you?" And he said, "I had a 30 day, but his fight was in October, and this is last weekend. That's way past 30 days. His fight was like October 12th or something." So I was like, "All right, we're good." And um, then I watched him talk to a commissioner from Maine for Austin Speedy Markham's fight. And the commissioner from Maine, basically, from what I gathered, told him, yeah, he's on day 28 of a 30-day suspension. You can allow him to fight, but if he gets hurt, it's your responsibility. And he hangs up the phone with arrogance, uncanny, anything I've ever seen before. (laughs) He's like, he wants me to take responsibility. I'm not doing that. That fight's not happening. Like, are you, oh you're a commissioner. God. It's your job to take the responsibility, man. What are you doing? You're ruining a show. And then an hour later, me and Luke still think we're fighting. Nobody has told me or him that the fight was not clear yet. And he still hasn't done weigh-ins yet because they did interviews last night. So he didn't know if the promoter was going to bring in people to interview him as we weighed. Oh, dear Because the promoter had to tell him what to do. But yet, he's the deputy commissioner. He tells the promoter what to do. He just does not know what he's doing. But anyway, it's like an hour has passed since that phone call happened and since he said people aren't fighting. Nobody's told me we're not fighting. Nobody's told Luke we're not fighting. We both think we are still fighting at this point. And basically... We, me and Eric go to the ATM to get money and come back to pay for Eric's license. And um, it's getting like, I think it's like 20 minutes until first bell's supposed to ring. He still hasn't weighed in all the pros, and we haven't seen the doctors yet. And um, 
So we're t- we're but 20 minutes away from the start of the card. What a piece this of is shit. this is by the way, this is an event in Williamson where the entire purpose of the event is built around Austin Markham fighting we because have- Logan, Logan is not too far away from there. Austin is from between Logan and Williamson. So the whole purpose of this show is this fight happening. That is the entire purpose of the event is he is going to be the headliner and this fight gets scratched for literally no reason. Okay, anyone who's worked in boxing, who has been around commissions, who has been around events, knows full well there is no reason for th- for this event not to happen. There's certainly no reason for his fight not to happen after the other commission has been talked to. That's where we are, and yeah. you have not been told a thing about your fight, and we're 20 minutes from what was advertised to be the first bell. Yeah, and um, so me and Eric get back from the ATM, which we had to go to Kentucky to a hospital of all places to get. Apparently, gas stations don't know ATMs exist down there. But So we went to a hospital ATM in Kentucky to get the money. We come back, and I'm getting ready. to. I put my money on the table for Eric to pay his thing, and Adam Collins comes up behind me. He's like, hey, he's like, you shouldn't... Um, you shouldn't buy him that. You're not fighting. I was like, what do you mean? He oh said, well, they didn't clear Luke. And so the the deputy commissioner didn't even tell me that. Adam Collins told me that. So I looked at the deputy commissioner. I was like, what do you mean we're not fighting? And um, he was like, oh, yeah, he had to have a neuro exam done. And Luke said and Corky said that they got a doctor up in the middle of the night last night to get it done and get it faxed to New Jersey. And basically all neuro is you put your feet together, you touch your nose with your hands, you look up, you close your eyes, you make sure like you're not stupid. And that's a neuro exam. And um, he passed it and they got it to New Jersey. But of course, New Jersey doesn't have anybody in on Saturdays. So they couldn't fax it back to West Virginia. So they weren't going to let the fight happen because they couldn't (laughs) fax it back. Even though Corky got the doctor on the phone and the doctor was going to tell J.P. Stevens, the deputy commissioner, that he passed his neuro exam, he was good to go, and New Jersey was going to fax it Monday morning. And he wasn't having that. But here's the best part. This, I'm not even worried about the fight. I asked him for my $20 back to get my license or get my license money for paying for Eric back. Right. He's like, well, well, you should go ahead and get it. Puts his hand on my $20 bill like he's not giving me my 20 bucks back. I said, no, if I'm not fighting, I'm not buying him a license. He's like, well, he, he needs to be licensed in the state of West Virginia. I was like, I'm not fighting. Give me my money back. Or I will take my money back from you right now. I was angry. I'm not an angry person, but I was pretty angry at this point because they were just going to let me buy a license <laughs> and still – Hadn't told me I wasn't fighting or anything. Oh my god! And and he was just going to take my twenty bucks. I mean, twenty bucks is twenty bucks, especially when I I missed bake day for this fight. I don't know if you you guys don't know. <laughs> Any well, you guys know me. Bake Absolutely. day is an important ass day to me. I love bake day because I'm the tester. I'm the sampler. That's right. Well, I don't have to do any of the work, but I reap the rewards. These these are baked goods that need to be sampled, and that is an important process for people like us who have a big appetite. And we look forward yeah, to I, culinary events. We we share a love for the culinary world, Teddy Bear, and this is I do too. So. This is an important thing for us. So yeah, he robbed you of that, and then wants to rob you of twenty bucks. And yeah, and he was about to get punched because I told him like everybody <laughs> laughed at me. I was like, dude, I missed bake day for this. I better be fighting. And they laughed. I was serious, but everybody laughed, so I I had to grin. Well, we're not like, rolling yeah, in okay, money. We're not rolling in money here. So twenty bucks is twenty bucks. No matter what. Yeah, especially when you drive 250 miles to get to the event the day of, and then you're told you're not fighting and to see you. But luckily, Corky's a good dude. Yes, he is. Corky Salyer is a wonderful guy. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He he said, well, we're not going to – he was who was buying the fight. The promoter wasn't paying for the Corky was. It was a, a paid bout for anybody who doesn't know. Right. Boxing lingo, that just means a third party buys a fight on the card. But um, he told me, he's like, man, he's like, I'll reimburse you. And I'm pretty sure he was willing to give me more than what he did. But I told him I understood it was it was just a bad situation. I was like, man, I get paid to fight. I'm not fighting. It's okay. Just cover my gas money and I'm good. So he gave me a hundred dollar bill. So I was was all right. Me and Eric still ate after the event. But it was just it was a display of I don't know what you want to call it. Douchebaggery, I guess. Yeah. The <laughs> like worst commission in sports. The worst commission in the United States. Well, here's the thing that troubles me about it is 
the West Virginia Commission got a bad rap over the last probably five or six, seven years, whatever. It's went worse. Okay, and and there was a time there was a time in this state. Justin, you may remember this. Steve, I don't know if you do or not. There was a time when Tommy Morrison, after being diagnosed with <laughs> HIV, fought here. He fought in this state. Yeah, yep. And the commission at the time, I can't remember who was commissioner then. It wasn't Steve Allred, but it was somebody else, allowed that fight to happen because they were provided a copy of blood work that showed that Morrison was clean. They were. They didn't get the original results. They got a photocopy of results that said he was clean, and they let him fight. And that news went all over the place. When I first started yeah, in this, fought. Steve Allred was the commissioner. And yeah, I'm not going to say I agreed with everything Steve Allred did as a commissioner. There were times I thought he was a little bit too... Lenient? <laughs> no, I thought he was a little bit too strict on some on some things that he that he said was about fighter safety. But I thought, you know, you're this is a little bit overkill. These guys are getting in there to fight. And I, I don't think there's this much of a big deal. And there were some consistency issues with that. But overall, Steve Allred cared about the sport. And most of all, he cared about the fighters. And he was going to take care of them for that. And he, he did, I think, a great job as a commissioner. There was a time that I was a little frustrated frustrated with some things and I thought man I wish somebody else was commissioner and then I got to know Steve better and the more I got to know him I I started to see what he was doing and how he was doing it and I got to see who he was as a person and I thought man Steve Allred this is a guy I like being commissioner he leaves his post Chase Hill takes over Chase is there for a matter of months then Jim Frio becomes commissioner and Frio loses his commissioner spot because of a bunch of political nonsense in the northern part of the state with someone who was elected to an office. And that was infuriating, because the shift that has gone on since Jim Frio left office, and I'm not going to start throwing, throwing a bunch of names of people under the bus here, but I'm just going to say that as a whole, the commission has taken a downturn, and everything's being conducted under this guise of, well, we're going to fix these rules and these rules and these rules. One of the biggest problems that we have had here is you have people who dis- who came into office and decided we have a solution and now we're going to go find a problem we're going to find a problem because we have a solution well if there if there's not yeah. a problem then what what are you trying to fix i know the old adage is if it if it ain't broke don't fix it i like what donnie baker from bob and tom said if it ain't broke don't break it how about <laughs> that that makes more sense and it's been one issue after another. We have had we have seen a sharp decline in the number of shows that are happening in this state. It, we were told initially that the new regime we were going to see more MMA and all these great things. I haven't seen an MMA show in this state in in over a year. That has that that part of of the commission has been completely completely killed, and that's unfortunate. And you see what's going on. I'm I'm afraid of where this may be headed. And we're starting to see more of the boxing action, especially in the border areas of this state. And I know we've got listeners all over the place, but, but boxing is, is an international thing. We're seeing a lot of events in border areas that are being take going to be taken into Kentucky into probably not Ohio. Cause Bernie Profato is, he's an there. asshole too. Yes, he is. Uh, but into Virginia and maybe into Pennsylvania with, with rivers casino in Pittsburgh and things like that. We're going to start seeing a sharp decline, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, Justin, we've seen a lot of stuff in this sport. We've encountered a lot of stuff in this sport. Yes. And yes. where does this rank for you in terms of all the crap that you've dealt with in the past? And then we'll talk about the one that I know you're going to bring up. But but go. But where does this rank for you out of all the crazy stuff that we've put up with? Yeah, I, I mean, this jumped it. And, and to give you a little bit of perspective, my very first fight in West Virginia was under a Steve Allred commission. I did not have valid blood work for this fight. I took the fight on short notice. It was at Wheeling Island on a Jerry Thomas card, and I did not have blood work. He looked at me. He said, how old are you? I said, 19. He said, you healthy? I said, yeah. He said, so you're not going to die on me? I said, I don't think so. He said, sounds good to me. And he (laughs) said, bring your blood work next time. (laughs) And that that was my first experience with the West Virginia Commission. Mm -hmm. I was like, "I, I think I'll like it here. And, um... And this, this jumps anything that's ever happened. And I, I've ran into some BS, and you know it. And like you said, we'll talk about it later with Pennsylvania's commission. But this jumped the list to number one because it's just how everything was handled. It's not necessarily what happened was so um, uncommon in boxing because it happens. It's just how this man handled everything. And 
just the way he carried himself in doing so, it was just absurd. So it definitely it takes the number one spot well, in it, my book. It reeks knocking Serb in Pennsylvania down to number two. You know, it it was going to take a lot to knock Greg Serb out of that position. But this, for me, the word unprofessional is what comes in into mind above all else. And you could use a lot of words to describe what happened. I wasn't at the event. This this is not one I was able to go to. I was I was incredibly sick that day, and I wasn't able to go. Um, and as it turns out, it was a good thing I didn't drive two and a half or three hours all the way to Williamson for a fight that didn't happen. Cause, yeah, very good. Cause, because you've been around me when some of this stuff has happened. My reaction would not have been good. <laughs> During during that little exchange, uh, the story that we were going to talk about happened. This was what February of was it twenty thirteen? I think it was twenty fourteen. Yeah, it was February twenty fourteen. That's right, because because we our first fight together was March of twenty thirteen in Madison. So this is February of twenty fourteen. Steve, you may know part of this story. I don't know if you know all of it. We are fighting in Pennsylvania at this little place that looks like it's a mountain retreat. And the fighter who was in the main event that night was someone that is well-known nationally, was not really well-known then, but he's incredibly well-known now, Sammy Vasquez, the welterweight prospect. And Sam Vasquez Sr. was the one promoting the show. And one of the fighters fighting that night was a guy named Sean Conway. And by all accounts, Jack Conway is is the trainer, and you know he's got sons and nephews and everybody that box. And Jack is a great trainer. His His guys are always well-coached, and they're always good people. And Sean is no different, but Sean's this little tiny heavyweight, and he's about 240 pounds, but he's like five foot seven, if that. He's a tiny little guy. Oh, he's five foot two. Yeah. Holy sh... Yeah, so... That's not... He's five two. Him and Jerry are... Jerry's got an inch on him. Jerry Davis has an inch on Sean Conway. I still want Jerry to run for governor, by the way. But that's a whole other... That's a whole other story. Uh, so Sean Conway is going to turn pro on this event. And that was the, that was, I don't know if he would ter- was, if it was his pro debut or his second fight, but either way he was fighting on the show. Yeah, it was his second fight. He was, he was Owen one. He had been beat by this real tall guy. That's right. That basically just held his arm straight out and Sean couldn't get to him cause he was almost a legal dwarf. Uh. I remember that now. He was 0-1. So we get ready for this fight. And obviously this is Conway's this is Conway's turf, Conway's area. But we we know coming in what our game plan's gonna be. We know we're gonna we're gonna go in and try to step around him and just unleash ungodly amounts of offense on him. We go in and after the first round, it's pretty obvious that our game plan's gonna work. Because we're landing offense on him and Conway's landing maybe a punch or two as a perimeter's approaching, you know, corners, ropes, or something. But the vast majority of the round is is pretty obvious what's going on. He's taking right hands to the top of his head. So I know you broke you broke your hand either in the second or the third. Yeah, it was the I heard it in the first, and then it it broke in the second. And okay. on the video, you watch in between two and three, you see me kind of pull you to the side, right. and whisper. I think I broke my hand. Yeah, and I said, I said, are you okay? And you said, yes, sir. And I said, well, then we'll worry about it after the fight. So th- this is all you need to know. I wrapped your hands because we talked about it before the fight. I said, you're going to hit him so much. You're going to need these things wrapped as heavily as possible because you're going to hit him not only incessantly, but you're going to be hitting him on top of the head. So we're going to have to protect yeah. you. So I wrapped that thing with so much gauze and tape that we had trouble getting the gloves on more trouble than ever. Cause we knew we had to protect them and you still hurt your hand. So you're, you're yeah. landing this many punches. You're landing this many punches on this man's head. We go in and win all four rounds of that fight, all four rounds. It was not cl- Stevie wonder could write an article talking about how it sounded like you won all four rounds of that fight. It was that clear what happened. So the fight ends. And the ring announcer gets the master scorecard. And for the people who don't know how boxing works, not every judge doesn't have a scorecard with all 12 rounds listed on the sheet of paper, and they fill it in as they go. Every judge has a single individual card for each round. The judge fills in who won the round. Referee collects them, hands them to a master scorekeeper. They put them on a master scorecard. And then at the end of the, uh, end of the fight, the master scorecard has the complete scorecard for all three judges. So master scorecard gets handed to the ring announcer. And we have video of this. I did video of this event 
So I've got video of this shot directly at the ring from the angle where all of this is taking place. And we'll post this on the, on the page for the podcast on Facebook so everybody can see it. The ring announcer gets the master scorecard and says, Judge so-and-so scores the, scores the about 40-36 Novaria. So that's, that's 40-36, four rounds to none. A shutout for Justin. Yeah. Justin, what yeah. happened as soon as that scorecard was read? Man, it, I couldn't believe it. We like, were facing it was red. I, I was feeling good. I was like, man, we, yeah, we, we got one. We, we nagged it here, baby. And then Greg Sir, the head commissioner of Pennsylvania, jumps into the ring like, like he's on a mission, takes the scorecard from the announcer, says, oh, we made a mistake, takes the scorecard from the announcer, Goes back over to the side, gets a pen from the table, starts scribbling shit on the master scorecard, hands it back to the to the ring announcer, and reads off the next two scores, which all of a sudden happened to be thirty nine thirty seven for Sean Conway. It was like, one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen happen. Fucking piece of shit. And this is what I think that sums it up, Steve. Gosh, I would have had is, to punch that guy. Like, well, this is a this is a commissioner who has gotten a lot of a lot of play over the years. USA Tuesday Night Fights used to if they had a fight in Pennsylvania at Blue Horizon, they would bring him on and talk to him on the air. He at one point I think was the head of the Association of Boxing Commissions. He's gotten a lot of big attention for what he for the stuff that he's done in the sport. But you see him in an event, and he walks around in his Harvard boxing tracksuit. He's about five foot two. He's a little bigger than Sean Conway. And he will not hardly talk to you. You'll you'll pay him a compliment and say, hey, it's nice to meet you. I've seen your work over the years. And he will not hardly look at you in the eye if he even bothers to shake your hand. So he jumps up and changes this scorecard. Now keep in mind, the master scorecard is filled in round by round by the master scorekeeper. So they write in the scores for round one at the end of round one. From the time those were filled in and totaled and handed to the ring announcer, they would not have had time to go back through those individual 12 index cards and check those scores to find out they were wrong. There would not have been time to do that. Did you appeal this, hopefully? So we know there's no... Well, here's the problem with that. that Steve, great question. Appealing it would have been a great idea, but the person you would have appealed it to is Greg Serb yeah. because he was the commissioner in Pennsylvania. So there would have been no oversight. He would have been the one to appeal it to. And the only way you could have done it is to blackmail him and say, uh, Greg, here's the video of you doing this. But he at any point could have said, well, you know, I was the one in charge that night, so this is why I did this and this and this and this. He would have plenty of time do to cover it. you have the video butt. of it? I do have the video. We're going to post it on the Facebook page for the podcast when this episode goes up. Good. And yeah. you can. T- I'll post the whole fight, and you can take a look at the fight and, and see it for yourself. It was a it was a forty thirty six. Has some clout that hates him and show it. It was a forty thirty six runaway, and it was egregious. That is the worst thing that I had ever encountered in boxing, and and in terms of what I've dealt with, with a result of that kind, that's as bad as I've ever dealt with. I've put up with some crap from the commission, especially around here in recent years, but and, and of course that was as unjustified as as the crap we dealt with in Pennsylvania. But that right there is as idiotic as anything I've ever encountered. So for you to say that this is worse than the Greg Serb incident, that tells you all you need to know about what happened in Williamson. I think that that speaks volumes on its own. That's pitiful. Yeah, it was bad. <sighs> One more thing. Tomorrow night we've got a fight on HBO. It's Billy Joe Saunders crossing the pond to defend his WBO middleweight championship. That, Steve hates Billy Joe Saunders. He calls he calls him BJ because he thinks he sucks. Yeah, he does suck. <laughs> so it's Billy Joe Saunders against David Lemieux. Saunders coming to Montreal to fight Lemieux on his home turf. Personally, don't think it's much of a fight. I think Lemieux knocks Saunders out. Justin, what do you think? Um, I think Saunders whitewashes him. Really? I think he shuts him out. Yeah, I think he shuts him out. Um, Interesting. I think everybody's overlooking Billy Joe. Billy Joe, he's tough. I mean, yeah. Do you do I not like him personally? I don't know him personally, but his character, no. I don't like his character at all, especially when um, he said that he could beat Triple G <laughs> when he, getting ready getting ready for the Eubank fight. I think it was the Eubank fight. It was a press conference, and he's like, 
well, I should get the Triple G fight. And Chris Eubank Jr. said, how about you sit down before he beats us both in the same night? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I became a Chris Eubank Jr. fan real quick. But, yeah, he, he's an ass, but the kid is talented. I think he's going to whitewash Lemieux. Really? Lemieux is tough, but I don't think Lemieux has the boxing skills for it. He has the pop to knock anybody out, right. but he's still very, very limited when it comes to his skill set. I think he grew up from the uh, Triple G fight. I think he's actually improved quite a bit on his boxing skill. Although Billy Joe Saunders does have, he's really technical, he's really slick. Um, but I think it only takes one mistake to get that left hook on you. I thought Lemieux showed yeah. some nuance. In, even though Everybody focuses on how explosive that knockout of Curtis Stevens was. Yeah. I thought Lemieux showed a little bit of nuance in that fight in how he he got that situation to set itself up. He shifted on that left hook. It was beautiful. He did. And Curtis Stevens, for, for all that he is, Curtis Stevens can crack. Oh, that, yeah. man, that guy, dude, can punch He's got left the hook best too, of them. You know? And for Lemieux to do what he did, I think, was telling. But I, I thought he set it up pretty well. He about pacquiao him, dude. Yeah, he did. Curtis Stevens may still be a little dizzy. He may still be stepping in potholes after that knockout. <laughs> Uh, okay, so you you think he goes in and whitewashes Lemieux, but that creates a different question. Do you think that Saunders can win a decision in Montreal against Lemieux without winning all 12 rounds clearly? Do you think he can win a decision? That's not to say he won't win the fight, but do you think he can win a decision? I mean, I think he can, but like you just said, he'll have to do it very, very decisively. Lemieux is a guy that lands so many power punches and lands them so heavily that those are the shots that if he only lands two or three in the round, they're visible, they're memorable, and judge that sticks in their mind. So it can give you the illusion of close rounds, even when, if you look at all four scoring criteria, Saunders probably won the round pretty big. But Canada is notorious for decisions that make absolutely no sense. We've seen strange refereeing. Yeah. We've seen strange judging. So with with everyone knowing that this is Lemieux's probably last big, big shot to stay relevant on that on that top level, mm-hmm. and knowing that they're making Saunders come all the way across the pond, which kudos to Billy Joe for coming all the way over there to fight in Montreal. He didn't have to do that by any means. He's the champion. Go to him. And especially in, in the U.K. Yeah. where there's plenty of promotional money yeah. to make that fight happen. So kudos to him for that. I, I just don't know if that's going to work out the way that he thinks. It reminds me a little bit of the fight when Lucien Boutet <laughs> went over to England to defend his title against Carl Froch, which is one of the, the, my favorite fights of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Because Boutet, yeah. he could have made Froch come to Montreal. There was a rematch clause in it that said if Froch wins, they would do the rematch it in Montreal. <laughs> but it never happened. And, but Butte at that point was a good fighter. Yeah. He was still doing a lot of good things. And he went over there and took that fight, and Carl Froch beat the brakes off of Lucy and Butte. I don't think this is the same Dude, kind of fight that, because Butte and, well, and, and Saunders are not the same kind of fighter. But Lemieux still has that, he has that one-shot power where he can take a fight where he's down four rounds to none, and he can land that shot in the fifth round and not just do something big. He can turn the tide of the fight. So I'm I'm very yeah. I'm looking forward to the fight. I think it's a little more intriguing than people are giving it credit for. It got so overshadowed by the Cotto fight and by the Lomachenko Rigando disappointment that yeah, this this one may be getting embarrassment. <laughs> that that's another word. It's not getting the play that it should, and it's the last fight of the year. So I think we should all kind of get behind it and see what happens because it's a good it's a good it. bow on the on the end of the year. You're just watching it, hoping Saunders yeah. gets obliterated, Steve. Yeah. Well, if he can't say anything about Triple G. I mean, nobody's done. He, Canelo didn't even look like Canelo against him, so you know, uh, adds apples and oranges to me. I, I hope Lemieux breaks his face, but that's just how I feel. Justin, one last thing: gut reaction pick. If the fight does happen on May fifth. Canelo Golovkin, we'll, we'll obviously be talking about it in the lead-up if it gets signed officially, but gut reaction right now, who would be your pick in that rematch? Golovkin. Thank you. Absolutely. I like him even more now. Well, you listened to the Watch Party I'm episode, me. so you know what we thought of that decision when it happened the first time. But this is an East Coast thing, and even though it's on Cinco de Mayo in New York, if it does get finalized for Madison Square Garden, New York is not going to give you the same decision that Vegas would, but especially with the attention that? on it. Why even do it? We're going to fight Cinco de Mayo. Fuck Cinco de Mayo. 
You know what I mean? Because they're looking for somebody to fill the void that Kodo used to have, and that yeah. other guys that used to have on. Because Kodo's thing was always he was going to fight. Con to do it. He was going to fight on uh, the Puerto Rican Day Parade. That's mm-hmm. when Kodo always fought. Well, now now it's Canelo on Cinco de Mayo, and and try to jump all that. Why do you need it? Well, Floyd started the Cinco de Mayo thing. Yeah, he did. Floyd started the May and September dates, and then Canelo just kind of took it over when. I thought that was punch When they tried to pass him the torch. <laughs> well, wasn't it Roger who who said he was the Mexican killer in or the Mexican assassin in the eighties, and then Rocky Lockridge ruined his life with one right hand on NBC and took his title yeah. away? One of the great yeah, moments and then in became then became homeless and ruined some dude's life outside a liquor store. That is that not one of the greatest YouTube well, videos of all time is Rocky Lockridge just destroying that dude? As a homeless guy. Yeah, and, and, oh, my god! And nobody knows who he is. They're like, oh, look at this old dude. He must have boxed. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely did box. Did you know that Frankie Randall is back in Tennessee and homeless and living under a bridge? Is he really? Yeah, he is. It, it, it's another one of those nice. things between the CTE, and the CTE and some drug use and everything else. He's uh, he's had some trouble. CTE but, and cocaine. Not a good we'll, t- we'll talk about homeless fighters and CTE and all that stuff. Next time. Teddy Bear, we enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us, my friend. I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, man. We'll be back to wrap up Episode 9 of Apex Live with our final segment and final thoughts right after this. <laughs> 